Welcome to Next Steps, the midweek podcast from Blackhawk Church. I'm Chris Kopp, or as we like to say around here, the other Pastor Chris. And with me is Pastor Tiffany Malloy. Uh, we're recording this a little earlier in the day than usual, so we're sitting here with coffee mugs in hand. I've got mostly black coffee in mine. Uh, Tiffany, you're not really a coffee drinker, No, though, right? I'm not. So I wish I was. I tried to I become some, one, but no. <laughs> I see some tea over there, so what kind of tea are we going yeah, with? Yeah, so every morning, I'm a creature of habit. I have an Earl Grey tea with Italian sweet cream creamer. So that's mm. just what I do every single morning. I Winter, love, summer, I love Earl whatever. Grey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chris, what about you? What do you have there? Uh, this is uh, Starbucks. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's pretty normal for me. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Well, as you guys can tell, we have some special guests with us. Uh, Pastor Chris is here with his wife, Becky. And so we're excited to talk to them more on that and just. Um, a moment, but as most of you are probably aware of at this point, uh, Chris, our lead pastor here at Blockhawk, is transitioning out of his role as our senior pastor later this month after 27 years of serving at Blackhawk Church. Um, so today we're excited to talk with Chris and Becky. Uh, I think we'll do a little looking back at the last 27 years, um, hear some stories, which is always fun, and then hear from them about what's ahead and what they're looking forward to. So uh, let's welcome officially to the podcast, Chris and Becky. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Yeah. Great to be, be here. here. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks so much for serving our church over these past 27 years. It's been incredible. I've only been a part of this church for the past seven or eight, and so I've only seen the end. But man, I just hear mm. stories um, from Blackhawk on Whitney Way, and uh, it's just in- incredible. So thanks so much for, for you guys' leadership. All right, well, as we're starting out, let's start off with um, talking about any moments, any memories that stick out to you as you think about the last 27 years. They can be funny, they can be serious, they can be about where you've seen God moving. Um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah, that's a big question. Not sure how to answer that. Um, there's been so many things, you know, over 27 years, but, um, you know, we're old people, so we can just remember what just happened. So this last year has been amazing, the last 15 months or so. So on March the 8th of 2020, the congregation uh, gathered to vote Matt to become the next senior pastor. So even though uh, I wanted it to happen and the leaders of the church did, um, we don't have the authority to do that. Only the congregation can do it, so they have to gather and vote. And so we actually thought about having that meeting in April of 2020. But then we thought, well, I think the congregation is ready, so let's have it in March. And that was the last mm. time before COVID hit that everything kind of fell apart. Yeah. And then we'd had no more meetings. I mean, in April of last year, we weren't even gathering together as a church. And so just think about that. Wow. I mean... That's amazing that that we just, we looked at April and we thought, oh no, let's do it in March. We just kind of like threw it out there. And that's the last Sunday Sunday. that we actually gathered together without any restrictions or anything Mm. like that. So that's incredible seeing the hand of God. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to add though that the congregation didn't vote for Matt to become the senior pastor then because it's not like you took over for the last year or anything. Oh, you're meaning like he, they voted him in last year, but I don't want him to take over, so I'm still here. Right. That's, that's kind of what that, it sounded like. Sounded, we voted Matt in, and yeah. here I am. I'm okay. still the pastor. So, so we voted Matt in, or the congregation voted Matt in, with the understanding that he would co-pilot with you for a year. I think the audience just got a good 
understanding of our relationship <laughs> with each other. Yeah. Uh, pretty so much good. anything comes out of my mouth, I get corrected or something like well, that. Well, the yeah. funny thing, too, about that day is when it was all over with, when the vote was yes, we went out to eat with Matt and Rachel and um, just the four of us, you know, to kind of talk about it. And Chris said to Matt, well, you know, usually every six months something really big happens, so I hope that there'll be some big major thing that happens. This yeah, year. that really happened. So I mean, we were sitting there in this restaurant <laughs> we going, this all on you. No. yeah, <laughs> right. You know, like, well, I hope, you know, because the whole idea of co-piloting is, hey, if something, you know, blows up near the plane yeah. or something like that, yeah. this is how you handle it when the anti-aircraft is blowing up around the plane. So Matt reminds you of that periodically. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, really. Unbelievable. Wow. So that's one, mm-hmm. I would think. There's more uh, stories about seeing God at work and things like that. Yeah. So many. So like one of them would be how I met Charles. Oh, yeah. Uh, so um, my mentor uh, was a man named Haddon Robinson. He passed away in 2017. And uh, Charles's mentor is a man named Bruce Walke. And Bruce and Haddon were really good friends, lifelong friends. Oh. And um, Haddon uh, used to lead this a preaching retreat where he, preachers from around the country in Canada would gather together. And then uh, the first time we actually had that retreat, we weren't sure if it was going to work or not. So he decided to get his best friend. So if it didn't work, it was he was just defending his best friend. So Bruce uh, was the scholar, and uh, Bruce and Haddon gathered together with about 40 pastors from Canada and the United States in, uh, in a place about four hours north of Toronto. And uh, I was a part of that, and this was in like uh, 2000. And when I, so one day we went out, and I actually had Bruce in my car by myself. So we're driving around the north woods of Canada by ourselves in the summer. And he just looked at me and he goes, well, where are you from, you know, Mr. Dolson? So I said, you know, I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. And he said, what are my best scholars is in Madison? I said, what? What church do you have? I said, Black Hawk Church. And of course, you know, Black Hawk, that's a weird name for a church, so you yeah. tend to remember it. So he goes, my, my student is there in your church. And I thought, what? You're one of your students is in my church? And so he said, his name's Charles Yu, and he's doing PhD work here. Uh, at at UW, and I thought, what? <laughs> I really had no concept that our PhD program in Hebrew and Semitics oh. was one of the best in the country, and it was gathering students from around mm. Canada and really around the world. And Charles was one of those, and he was actually in our church. And I came back and I started looking around, going. Who is this Charles? You? Oh my gosh, this guy's in my church. First of all, I was intimidated yeah. that Bruce Walke said one of his best students was like listening to the messages. Because what was Bruce Walke? Walke's Old Testament scholar, right? Like, legendary, right? And so he said, and so they ended up co-authoring a book together. And so this brilliant Bruce student, Bruce and Charles, Bruce, Bruce and Charles, yeah. So they were in the church together. So Charles was in my church. I was, Thought, oh my gosh, I got to make sure I'm saying. You're mentally going through all your past sermons, yeah. doing like, oh, I'm like no. let's avoid the Old Testament for a while, you know. <laughs> so uh, at any rate, so I met Charles like right away, and that was how we met. So isn't that weird? It's a strange story. Well, now he's going to be the lead teaching pastor, wow. and when I come back, they have me working 
under him. <laughs> He's going to be your boss. Wow. He's my boss. Wow. He's going to be my boss. Wow. Is that weird? He also kind of helped you realize who Tim Mackey was. Yeah. Tim was just Jessica's husband. Jessica worked for us. And then that was, I had a hard time remembering. I couldn't remember Tim's name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do mean, now. I couldn't really. I didn't know. It's Jessica's husband. Yeah. So it was embarrassing because I would just say, oh, that's Jessica's husband. I figure out who he is. Uh-huh. And then Charles actually, because he was down for the Hebrew Semitic program too. Okay. And then Charles said, yeah, you know, he's kind of a smart guy. You should pay attention to him. Mm. So once Charles alerted me to that, then I was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I should get to know Tim. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's his story. Then a, kind of another God story is when Chris and I arrived in 1994, um, he had uh, an office assistant, Allison Hallworth. Yeah. And we were just here, I don't we arrived in July, and I think it was August. Um, Allison's son was, or Allison's daughter was getting married. And so she invited Chris to the wedding. And so that was the first <laughs> social event that we went to at Blackhawk Church as the senior pastor. And it was the wedding of Matt Metzger wow. and Rachel Hallworth. Yeah. That was the wow, first guys. event and that we went to. Nobody knew who we were. Yeah, like in the wedding. <laughs> is, why the are wedding, you in pictures? Yeah, so the wedding party, you know, his family, her family, and stuff like that. And people didn't really know, because I just started. And I don't even think, I, I don't know if he'd, I'd actually preached yet. Mm. And so... So Matt tells the story. It's like we're in a photo, and then when they're going through the photos, he's looking and going, "Now who's that? <laughs> who's that guy?" Isn't that funny? And I think Rachel said, "I'm not sure." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's she right. Hadn't met you, oh, that's think. right. Yeah. Wow. Not sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so guys. that to me, that's just kind of a yeah. Our first social wow. event was their wedding. Was their wow. wedding? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow. Mm. That's kind of cool. Another kind of funny story, I think, is the um, back when we were on Whitney Way, the um, we used to we ran out of parking, and so we'd park at the Red Cross building, and yeah. then there was a bus that would transport people back and forth. And I mean, the bus driver had to make several trips because you know a lot of people were taking the bus and parking over at the Red Cross. It was great answer to a parking solution. Mm. Yeah. So the bus driver knew that I was the pastor's wife. And one of the things about being a pastor's wife is you tend to be one of the last people to leave. (laughs) Um, So he would wait and make sure that I was on the bus before he took off on that last round. Wow. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty cool. Yeah, because she would be one of the last. Yeah, parking at Red Cross was, we used to make fun of that a lot because we, we paid them in blood. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. So we'd have these big drives. Oh. We always tell people, yeah, yeah. We, you know, churches, you, you hear churches want your money. We, we, we want your money and your blood. blood. <laughs> <laughs> and we still do it today, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly that right. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, we've been one of their biggest donors for wow. a long time in Dane wow. County. Wow. Yeah. I love those stories. Yeah, you see God's fingerprints all over from the very beginning of going to to Matt and Rachel's wedding, uh, one of your kind of first weeks here, and then even more recently with with March 8th and being able to to do that vote before COVID hit and the story with Charles. Um, I don't know that I'd I'd heard uh, all of those before. Yeah, no, we are full of stories. So this is an aside. So that, you know, the series that we did is called Because of His Grace. So, um, you know, we're full of stories like this. None of these, these things can't be orchestrated. So they're not um, 
coincidence. You know, we believe that God's sovereign over things. And so it's really because of his grace that these things take place. And he's so pleased. He wants to reach everyone. And if we, um, if, if, if he wants to use us, that's his business. Mm. And uh, brings people together and stuff like that. So praise God. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what year that was when you met? Mackie? No, Charles, that when that event... Charles would have been 2000. That's what I thought, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you guys have been at Blackhawk for the last 27 years, but you were also pastoring in Shreveport as, as a solo pastor, right? right. Um, mm-hmm. For 10 yeah. years before that. So a total of 37 years in pastoral ministry. Uh, that's a long time. That's really incredible, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but before all of that started, Becky, uh, you knew Chris before he ever pastored a church. Most of us know know Chris as our pastor or as a pastor. Um, so what do you think? Has being a pastor changed him? Uh, is he the same guy that you married, or what would you say? Uh, no, he's a lot different. Um, I mean, of course, everybody changes with time, yeah. you know, who is the same. As you mm-hmm. were 42 and a half years ago when we got married. But mm-hmm. um, there's been some major changes, I would say. When we were at Shreveport, it was a smaller church. And when we started, I think it was probably about 60 people. Mm-hmm. And it grew to be around 200 if the Atkinsons and, and, and the, the Nortons Norton showed up on Easter. <laughs> on, on Easter. <laughs> yeah. So that the reason like, we say that because they had big families. Yeah. You have... Yeah. Three families that have a lot of kids and they don't show up, that affects your attendance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. But at that church, we, we knew everybody. We mm. knew their aunts, their uncles, their dogs, their cats. We were in everybody's home. Mm. And um, we were just kind of like two people who had no idea what we were doing. Chris mm. could just preach the word, and mm. we all loved each other. And it was just one kind of big, happy family. And then we moved to Blackhawk in 94. And it was a little bit bigger, but still, I feel like Mm -hmm. the people that were at Blackhawk through the first, I don't know, six months, year, we got to know most of them really Mm -hmm. well. We refer to those people as the people who hired us. Yeah. And I've had a special relationship with those folks for all these years. Whenever we do a building project or anything like that, I usually gather those folks together Mm -hmm. and say the people who hired us and get together because they've put up with a lot of change. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so. A lot of, yeah, so, yeah, the church has changed, but Chris has changed a lot in that I think before he even became a pastor, he was a lot more fun. Can I just say that? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And And that's not the word that people would use to describe me Not now, no. Especially Tiffany and Chris, who work for me. I know, you used to be so goofy and just, like, you would stand in the middle of the street, tell that story. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's a gymnast. So, you know, it's nice to be able to do a backflip whenever you want to do a backflip, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's one thing to do it with like, like gym clothes on, but it's another thing when you have a suit on. That gets people's attention. <laughs> so, yeah, I would do a backflip pretty much any time, anywhere. <laughs> People would say, can you do a backflip? i just do it one. Wow. And um, so, yeah, it's in seminary uh, in downtown Dallas, you know, I would like walk across Dallas seminaries in the middle of the downtown, and I just walk across the street. Sometimes there'd be a red light and people would be stopped there, and a whole row, <laughs> a lot of big streets. <laughs> and there'd be three or four cars just waiting to, for people to stop. I'd, I'd stop, stand right in front of them, wave my hand, do a standing back, <laughs> and then just keep walking. And 
Did they honk? Oh, the of course. I mean, just the whole road. You had to just start honking yeah. like crazy. Oh, my god. It was funny. And I just got a big kick out of it. Of course, all my friends that were students with me, they knew I could do that. So they'd always egg me on and do that. I'd do it once a week or so just to have fun with people. Yeah. I mean, that you yeah. do crazy things like that. We, had, we did antics in chapel and stuff like that. And I was... A oh, <laughs> crazy! I was a crazy guy. Yeah, the yeah, yeah the they were doing this um, senior chapel, and they were doing a tag team preaching. Tag team preaching, yeah. And, we yeah. Um, Chris had the job of doing the introduction. So. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We we a bunch of the senior preachers get together, and we did tag team preaching for one chapel. And it's so funny because all of my all the graduates, the rest of my career at Dallas Seminary. If you say my name, they'd go, you the guy, you're the guy that screamed and did a backflip. So my job was the intro of the Wait, message. But the message was the day God hung a hippie. Yeah, the day God hung a hippie. Yeah, that's right. So it's a story. We're all it's Googling. A, yeah, it's a... No, it's, find this online? <laughs> no, it's about Absalom. Yeah, yeah. With his long hair and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, they got hung a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> so you, won't, you won't find it online because this was way before the internet was I was just going to say, where was social media yeah, when you needed yeah, it? We needed it evidence yeah. of Yeah, that. so my job was every time that in that message, I can't believe we're talking about this. So every time, um, so to introduce, the idea of an introduction is you get everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. So I walked out right in front of everyone, stood there, had a suit on, very calm, had a Bible in my hands, raised my arms above my head, and screamed like a banshee, and then just standing back. And then I just walked off. Of course, everybody just went absolutely crazy. John Walvoord, who was the president, he just, I thought we were, he was going to die of a heart attack. He was just red in the face. He was laughing so the so point hard. to all this is that you were just... I used to be fun. You used to be fun mm-hmm. and funny and spontaneous. And spontaneous. Oh, that don't was... work. Let's move on now. <laughs> That's a bad word. When's the last time you did a backflip, Chris? Will we? No, no, I. I know the last time. When was it? Blackhawk used to have a dance down at. um, Oh Oh, yes. The uh, the dance. Monona Terrace. Oh Oh, yes. We used to have a dance. Did you guys ever go to that? I can smell it right now as we talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So you went. Yeah, yeah. it was a huge dance. Oh my gosh, it was like a gym, and everybody just goes crazy. And there was this one time, you know, at a dance. A group dance, people get together, like form a circle, and then people go in and out of the and circle do, and do things. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I did that, and then I did it. I was, I just did a backflip right there. I had, you know, normal shoes on and stuff. And the floor came around real fast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So and it, it was like, oh, my gosh. It looked more like break dancing than it did doing a backflip. Yeah, and, oh. and I kind of landed on my hands and knees. And, oh. of course, they thought I did that on purpose. Yeah. And I thought, whoa. Uh. That I, was, but the, I knew that was floor that was com- the, the floor coming to me. Like, but I, I, kn- I knew what it was, yeah. and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the last time. Yeah. That, like I did spontaneous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. But like when I go on canoe trips every year, I yeah. do backflips up mm. in Canada. Off of the cliff into the water. Into the water. I want to make the that clear. The water's a little more forgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh. Awesome. All right, so I guess second. you're fun when you go to Canada. Don't you guys have like a red light where you stop? Why do you think it is that you've changed? So oh, yeah. Much? Let's get back to that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So um, I became a public person. So that changed me. And I would, I could say and do things and that were funny or, you know how jokes can be taken different ways by different people. Mm. 
And uh, I would do that after I became a pastor, and then different people in the audience would take that differently. And I didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings or anything like that. And this is the days before social media. Mm-hmm. So I learned real fast that I should change that mm. about myself because mm. people would misunderstand. Mm. Yeah. So, and that's okay. Yep. I mean, I'm a public person. Mm-hmm. So I had to adapt. Mm. Well, plus all the, once Blackhawk started to grow numerically, I mean, it was just like, you, you used to say it was like putting train tracks in front of a moving train. So there was just so much stress and pressure on you. Because yeah. nobody expected Blackhawk to grow the way it did. Right. I mean, it was about 300 when we got here, and soon it was five, and then it was... Which is hard for people to imagine, really. Yeah. So we don't think of our... I've never thought of myself as a large church pastor. Hmm. So, And I've always thought of myself as a small church pastor. So And... In the beginning, leadership was not one of your gifts, talents, and abilities. In the beginning. In the beginning. That's but a nice way of saying that. No, you are a fantastic leader. <laughs> oh, now. my goodness. Oh. Did we get that? Oh, it's, it's still <laughs> going. It's yeah. really good. I'm amazed. I need to, we, we need to replay that. Can you make that? Well, we'll put well, that in my... It's, but, okay, I'll, I'll add a negative to it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Here's but the you, truth. You are a great leader, but it's come at the cost of you being fun. Uh. Oh, whoa. Hmm. Okay. Because you've had to become the, the one where the buck stops here. Yeah. 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 Friendly neighborhood pastor mm. turned into a mean boss. Yeah. Like yeah. We're going a little off script here, but I mean, how do you think having, uh, so you have a grandson now, another grandchild on the way. Um, so how has that kind of, have you kind of regained some of that? I mean, I've seen yeah. glimpses of that. Oh, you've yeah. shown videos. Good story. Yeah, that's yeah. a good story. So this, uh, just this last Sunday weekend when we were there with him, he's out in the yard and he's like, he's trying, he's like he's doing like a front roll and stuff like that. And then he's saying, you know, I know this one kid that can do a cartwheel and he's trying to do <laughs> oh, yeah. that falling down mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then I just looked at him and I go, I can do a cartwheel. And he just looked at me. So I did one and he's like, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Like what? You know? So at any rate, so then we moved on to other things, but that kind of freaked him out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I would say this last year with giving a lot of the responsibility over to Matt, I mean, because it's not going to be like Chris has had all the responsibility and then on July 1st it's it's been a gradual year-long process, a hard year, but he's been handing things over to Matt, and I can already see glimpses of the old Chris coming out coming out mm, that's yeah. so good the yeah. fun Chris so yeah. good yes. I feel like us, our staff has begun to see that too oh. uh, in some staff meetings like who okay. is this guy yeah that's true that's <laughs> you good know? it was so good so yeah. I maybe that's a yeah. kind of a, a shadow of what's to come yeah right? hopefully yeah, yeah. we yeah. should pray for Matt because he's fun, he's so <laughs> fun. <laughs> let's pray that Matt doesn't become unfun <laughs> because uh, oh. I think Blackhawk needs some fun yeah yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. So kind of a related question for you, Chris. So, right, pastoral leadership is not something that you do by yourself. Um, so can you talk about Becky and can you talk about something? What have you appreciated about her over these past 37 years as she's served alongside you? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks so much. So there's no Pastor Chris without Becky. There's nothing. Um, so. Yeah. 
I think you've talked about this from the platform before, but probably a lot of people don't know that you, when you do a message, when you prepare a message, you run it by Becky every single time, right? Has that been Pretty something much. you've done from yeah. the beginning or did that from, start at a certain no, point? No, not from the beginning. Okay. So when I was in Shreveport, um, I didn't do it at all. Hmm. And uh, at the very beginning, and one of my profs came over, I Shreveport was two and a half hours from Dallas, so... And I was up, you know, 52 Sundays a year, so I was always trying to get somebody mm. to come over. So one of my profs came over, and I did a talk in front of him, and then he did another talk, like it was a missions conference or something like that. And uh, he was a, a prof I respected a lot, and he 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 he, um, he started criticizing my talk. Critique, in a, critique. In a, critiquing in a healthy way. Hey, Chris, when you do this, when you say this, and stuff like that. And I thought to myself... God, that's the same critique I get from mm. my wife. Mm. And he goes, yeah, you should listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after uh, Dr. Burns came over, um, I started to see her as more of a resource. And so then I, ran, I started running everything. So she used to call me Big Word Man. Yes. Because when know, he came out of seminary, oh, he just, big you know, words. eschatology and, yeah, you know, all these whatever. all these words. And I used to say, people don't know what those mean uh, and don't don't use them. So yeah. I did call him. Wow. So yeah. that was what that was one of the main things Dr. Burns told you is yeah. you don't need to use all those big don't words. Don't use all those big words. And yeah. then if you use a big word that people don't understand, you know, explain it. Justification. That God declares us to be righteous and then move on. You know, that mm. kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so every message, so everyone needs to understand, every message, every sermon, every one of them, since then, Sunshine has had a part in everything that I've done. I run everything past her. Every message that they've heard, that everyone, not one hasn't run past her. So I usually, so I do the work in the text, and then I have an outline of kind of a flow of thought, and then I, then we sit up in our room and, and I go, okay, now we need to talk. And so this is as I'm writing the preliminary manuscript. And then I just go, sometimes I go, I got nothing here. Let me <laughs> tell you what the passage is about. I got nothing. And sometimes I have some ideas. And then um, it's important to know that she represents a lot of the, most of the audience, most of the audience, none of the audience has done work in the text. Mm-hmm. They're just listening to the text for the first time. So she reads it. And then I go, what did you see? And then, because I don't want her to study it, just one reading. And then she tells me, and then she goes, you better talk about this, you better talk about this, you better talk about this. Mm. And then that helps me go through it. And she goes, you didn't say that at all. And then I'll tell her, I want to talk about this, that, and this. And it's usually because I've read a bunch of stuff. And she goes, nobody cares, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the sermon part. But the, but the leadership part yeah. is also a huge part. Mm. Now, there have been things that have happened that maybe only maybe the board would know because it's super confidential, and so she wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Not many things, though. Most everything that's leadership-wise, I would say, I'm having trouble with this, we're doing this, we're doing that. And, you know, she's a professional person. She works in an accounting firm, and um, she's a leader. So I was the president of my um, student body in high school, and she was the president of her student council in high school, too. So she's a leader mm-hmm. and a teacher. And so I've just tapped into that over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's amazing to me how God has used our talents together. It's 
it's just a, the way we work together because he's really good at, at delving into the, the Bible and figuring out what it all means. And um, we just make a really, really good team mm-hmm. because I would be able to help him say, you know, maybe you need to answer this question in people's minds before you can move on to the theological part. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, he's God's just used our giftedness together. Yeah, and this is we're painting the picture like we work perfectly together. So oh. we should we should help people. Grow. <laughs> <laughs> so these things would be these are sessions. These are like two hour sessions. In fact, when she comes minimum. in, minimum, I oh. write the time down on hmm. the board, and then when she leaves, I write it down. She's, it's at least two hours. And it gets nasty. <laughs> so well, yeah. let me explain. Yeah. Part of it's because he's done, you know, hours of work and study and and trying to figure out what this phrase in the Bible means, and then he wants to like go into this in depth explanation mm-hmm. of it. And I, I'll just say, nobody cares. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not pertinent to the main idea of mm-hmm. what you're trying to get across. So yeah, I mean that. And then other times, I'm trying to. Just use a really like I have, you know, I I have a really simple mind. So um, I'll be like, he's got this deep theological thought, and I get this, you know, why don't we compare that to an Oreo cookie or something like that? Yeah. And he he has a hard time understanding what I'm trying to say. So. Yeah. So most of the illustrations they come out of her mind mm. uh, that we use, and people love them. Yeah. Usually because they can understand them. Yeah. And they I'd say ninety percent of the illustrations I've ever used came from her. Well, um, I'd say in the last few years you've gotten a, you've kind of gotten the hang of it and you, you do <laughs> it all on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe in the last ten years. Okay, did you guys tape that too? <laughs> so get, we'll we'll awesome. send you a, a cassette or whatever you guys have at home. Yeah, yeah you can you can keep it. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. I mean you can certainly see the fruit of how that's been borne out over the years. Um, when I first came to faith in in college, Blackhawk was was my church home, and it was simple enough that I got exactly what I needed to have a firm foundation in the faith every single week and and listening to you and to others teach. Um, And now, uh, I don't know how long it's been, 15, 20 years later, um, having attended seminary, I'm still learning things every single week because it's both simple enough but deep enough. And like there's a good combination of those things going on every single week. So can see how you guys complement each other in that and and how that's born, born fruit in our church. Yeah, thank you. That's kind of you to say that. Yeah, um, Howard Hendricks used to say you have to put cookies on every shelf. Mm-hmm. So you have to put cookies on the top shelf uh, that any, anybody can reach them, and then the middle shelf, and then the bottom shelf, and then uh, so that everybody can get a cookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's mm-hmm. Becky, um, I think one of the things that I've really appreciated about my time here at Blackhawk is seeing how you have been a pastor's wife in an evangelical world in a really different way. I feel like you have modeled that to me very differently and given an imagination for what a spouse of a pastor could be and doesn't have to be. And so, I don't know, could you talk a little bit about that? Was Yeah, how do you see kind of well, your what, giftings and, and how you're situated? That's a good yeah. question, because when we first got married, he was—I knew he was going to— Wanted, I knew he wanted to go to seminary. Well, actually, when we first got married, when I first met you, you were applying to law schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then he decided he wanted to study the Bible, so we were going to go to seminary. 
So, um, and then at seminary, he was going to become a, a teacher in, a, in another seminary. That was yeah. the goal. So I never thought I would be a pastor's wife. And when we kind of, and that's a long story about how we backed into that. But I, I, I used to say, I can't be a pastor's wife because I don't know how to play the mm. piano and mm. sing because that's all <laughs> right? yeah. I ever knew pastor's wives did. Yeah, yeah. back so, in the day. So I think um, it was never my life's goal to be yeah. a pastor's wife, so I've had to just kind of fall into it. Yeah. I, I did learn that um, having a job outside of the home was really helpful because at church I'm always Pastor Chris's wife. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people don't even know my name because he refers to me as Sunshine so much. Um, so I liked having a job where I was Becky. Yeah. And he yeah. was Becky's husband. Yeah. So, um, but also, I remember when we candidated at Blackhawk, I told them, I, I just used this illustration. I said, if the congregation thinks that I should wear a red dress, I'll wear a red dress, mm. but I won't make my kids. Mm. I mean, of course, Daniel's a boy, so yeah. I wouldn't have made him. But yeah. I, that, the point was, yeah. I'm not going to put those restrictions on my yeah. kids. Wow. So. I've just always been me. I yeah. I see my primary role as being a pastor's wife is to help him keep his eyes focused on God. Mm. And if I can do that, then I'm giving more to the church than if I was leading a Bible study or yeah. teaching children and yeah. wow. or doing all the other stuff that wow. you see pastor's wives doing. Wow. Yeah, and I'll just add, and she's done a lot of things. Yeah. Like when we came here, there was no, uh, there was a service and then a Sunday school hour, and then a service. And during the services, the children were present in the service. That's hard for people at Blackhawk today to imagine. <laughs> and there was nothing for the kids. They, they had a, a, a piece of paper they could color on and stuff like that and answer questions. But Sunshine um, started the children's ministry during oh. the service hours. So, because it, it didn't exist, oh. so she was willing to roll up her sleeves yeah. and do whatever it yeah. took at that moment yeah. to make it happen, yeah. and then that started to develop, and then actually Nancy Lindroth became the kind of first director oh, wow. of the children's ministry, wow. kind of a thing. But mm-hmm. she began it yeah. with that, so That's she's fine. totally willing to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I I think the reason why I've been able to kind of like lead that way for other pastors' wives of just being themselves is because I, again, see my role as helping him focus on on uh, God, because if he loses his focus, then then things are really bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah what, a, what a gift to our church uh, that's been and, and whatnot. Uh, on a kind of a related note, I know it's been a while since you guys have had your own kids in the house when they were little, um, but talk to us for a moment about how you walked the tension of serving um, in an increasingly large church throughout the years, and now now it's it's pretty big. Um, but with all the, de- the demands that that entailed on one hand and then having a family on, on the other hand, um, you're now grandparents, but having come out the, the other side of raising your own kids, are there any words of wisdom that you would share with us? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of, you know, our children are the age that you guys are right now. So so it's been a while since they've been in our home, but we did try to make our home a place where kids would want to come. They want to bring their uh, friends and stuff like that. You want to talk about that? Well, we we invested 
And I say that lightly because I know what social media is. But back then, um, we bought the biggest TV we could find. We bought Nintendo 64 with all the paddles and things. We bought four of them so that... (laughs) And then every Friday, I would bake cookies um, because I, I wanted our kids' friends to be at our house. We wanted to be the house where everybody came to. And... That way we got to know our kids' friends, and um, their friends got to know us. And it was just a really, I think that's one of the... It was cool. And just imagine if you're the parent of one of our kids' friends. So where are you going? We're going to the pastor's house. Okay, go. (laughs) (laughs) No curfew. You can just come back one. (laughs) Yeah, so they were just like, and so our house became a hangout. Yeah. Uh, And we loved it. We had a basement, and the kids would just come in. We. Kids would just walk in the house. They wouldn't even knock. They just would go in and then go down the basement. Really cool. So another thing, though, that I will say about Chris, um, he always let the kids know and myself that his job was not more important than them. Mm. Um, and I, I think that can translate to people who are not in the ministry, yeah. too, that whatever he was doing, whenever he was doing it, if they needed him, they could interrupt and mm-hmm. come in or call him. And if they he saw their number, he would pick up. Mm-hmm. So he was always available to us, even though it was kind of funny. As a pastor's wife, you have to decide, okay, he's doing something really important. So is what I have in my heart that I need him for, is it more important? Mm-hmm. So it, consequently, it kind of helped me become more independent because... I would have to evaluate whether it was important enough mm. to bother him. But the kids never felt that way. They just, you know, I need to talk to Daddy, so. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's tough raising kids and uh, because it is a public world, mm. you know, and you have, so. We never wanted that public thing to be on the kids. Yeah. So if Dad's mad and Dad's upset, he's not mad at Jesus. Mm. You know, he's mad mm. at what? going on at work yeah and so that's hard for kids to separate yeah because if they associate that world the church world with dad's angry or upset Mm. that can separate them from god Mm. pretty quickly Mm. so you have to make that separation in your home there's a difference between jesus and god and some things that happen at church because it's a place of work and yeah things happen yeah yeah i actually think that that kind of attitude has kind of infiltrated into the staff as well, our, our, our culture. I remember one of the first conversations I had um, kind of coming into a pastoral role was when the church and your family, when there comes kind of like a, a hard place, your family always wins. Yes. Like, promise me your family will always win. That's one of the yep. first conversations I had. And it stuck with me because there's times, right, mm-hmm. when you it's easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to go to the church building again tonight or I'm just going to work on this again. Um, you know, for the sixth or seventh or eighth night in a row, and it's like no family needs to win. Yeah, and tonight. that's exactly true. I know I've done that many times with people who, and they're as, they're as you age, your parents age, and sometimes they start to fail and and then pass away. And I've done that with many employees. They'll look they'll look at their uh, vacation thing about whether they should take the time off to mm-hmm. go to see like a dying. And I'll just look at them and say, "You got one mom." Get in the car, mm. take off. Mm. Don't worry about the vacation thing. We'll work that out. It's good. Yeah, it's good. And I mm. think any right. I think it's a not just a church family kind of problem. I think that anybody listening, it's a hard. It's 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 a uh-huh. difficult tension to manage. And it so is really hard mm-hmm. when you make the decision before you have to make the decision. I think that's helpful. So yep. thanks for modeling that. Mm-hmm. All right. So 
on June 27th. That's your last Sunday here at Blackhawk. And so then you guys are taking six months. I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? What are you looking forward to during that time? Um, yeah, yeah, this is interesting. I've used this line with people. Um, I was recently diagnosed with decision fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm tired of making decisions. <laughs> So we have to go to a decision-free zone. Yeah. And uh, so wherever we can go where we can not make any decisions Mm. about what we're doing when we're waking up or where we're going, that's what we want to do. So um, like in July, uh, we have some good friends that have a house in uh, uh, Florida, and they're great friends. And they usually, you know, they don't, they're not there in Florida, so in the summer. So we're going to go there sometime. Uh, We'll be there for a while. And then I'm, I've got a canoe trip that I usually do. And then um, in the fall, we're just going to probably just drive around the country and, awesome. no, and gonna, have no plans. We're going to find that fun, spontaneous Chris <laughs> I think again. that this sounds yeah. great. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to watch you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. So like mm. when we're in a hotel... We have the same kind of a thing. So I wake up first. I, I go can't find believe a you're telling this. <laughs> I, okay. I, I, go, I go find. I'm not going to tell everything. <laughs> I, 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 I find a Starbucks in the morning because I'm a morning person and I do reading and stuff. And then she wakes up, and then we, you know, we figure out when checkout is and stuff like that. And so we then we mosey out, and then we get going down the road. And then you know she looks at some GPS and goes, "Well, maybe we should go there." And so then she she'll. So let's end up there today. And that's great. Wow. It, we might get there at 5 or 6 or 8 or 10. Yeah. And then, you know, you can make your reservations oh. online. Well, yeah. So there you go. We discovered a long time ago that road trips is really good for our marriage. Um, because Chris is a person that likes to get things done. And I'm a person who likes to sit back and relax. Mm-hmm. And so when we go on a road trip, I get to sit and relax and feel like he's just spending all this time with me and just we're just together. And he gets to feel like he's getting things done because he gets us from point A to point B. Yeah. And it, it just works really it well. It works great. And it's really, it, it's fantastic. Like we never listen to anything in the car ever. Like, you know, you get a car and they say, oh, there's Bose speakers. Like, yeah, well, we never turn them on <laughs> because we never, we talk to each mm-hmm. other and then we just have quiet and I like quiet mm-hmm. and, um, but we never hardly ever listen mm-hmm. to anything at all. Mm-hmm. We just talk the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time saying, wow, look at that. Look, look at that. that. And then mm-hmm. there's the, uh, you know, these markers on the road that says a historical <laughs> marker ahead. Yeah. Yeah, she stops. We, <laughs> you I, know, I love those things. You can learn yeah, so much. We yeah. pull off. You know, it's just reading. You know, there's somebody had a tavern here, you know, years ago or whatever. We read those things. Oh. And uh, it's just Not as important. much. We haven't done it as much, but we plan to this time. More. We're going to do that more. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So hopefully we're going to go to a decision-free zone. And Sunshine is getting every second mm. of my time. Mm. And uh, I'm not going to have anything to do with Blackhawk mm. in any way. And, and the exception would be my new boss. <laughs> he can text me whenever he wants. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then in six months, then you will be coming back on staff. That's can right. you talk about your role? That's right, yeah. Something no, you're this has been to. an mm-hmm. interesting thing that's developed in the last 15 months. So Matt had to feel it's his, he's leading. 
So he has to feel good about things. So I didn't want to leverage anything with him. He and Charles want me to be on the teaching team. They want me back. And as long as it works for them, it, it, that's the most important thing. Whether it works for me is not as important. Mm-hmm. As it used, now, that's a new thing for me because as a senior leader, mm-hmm. it has to work for me. Yeah. If it doesn't work for me, then, well, we're not doing that. So now I'm not that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Now Matt is. It has to work for him. And if it doesn't, then I have to step away. Mm-hmm. So I know that sounds hard. CEOs and leaders will understand what I just said. Mm-hmm. So for a lot, this, if the pastor who leaves keeps demanding things or has to be in the center of things, that's a disaster. Mm-hmm. So I'm not any boards, I'm not in any management, I'm making no decisions, no one will report to me, nothing like that. And then Charles and Matt and Sunshine, and then Ashley, my assistant (laughs) now, they all make sure that I work, I don't work more than 30 hours, I think it's 20 to 30 hours a week, and so that'll be a little hard for me, I'll Mm -hmm. probably try to creep over 30, but they'll make sure that I don't work over 30. So you're just going to be working on the teaching team? Is that it? Yeah, so that was the setup. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, part of my responsibility is to work on the teaching team, and a lot of that work has behind the scenes, not just on the platform. I won't be on the platform more than probably 10 times or something like that. But then, uh, you know, I'll do other things uh, per whatever Matt would like me to do. And part of it also is to do coaching and mentoring to other pastors uh, around this area and around the country. Mm. And so they they're allowing me to do that kind of thing. And oh. so, and that's that's the thing I admire about Blackhawk Church and the leadership here is they not only care about Blackhawk but mm-hmm. they care about the Church of Christ mm-hmm. all over the country mm-hmm. and the world. And so they're allowing Chris to be able to do that sort of thing because you have developed into a leader who has something to say to young pastors and. Yeah, people and I, are starting it's, out. A, it's a really powerful thing. So I hope that people understand what we're talking about. So my hours, part of my hours will be dedicated to churches outside of Blackhawk. That's my job. So I'll have time for that phone call, that time for that Zoom, time to travel. Because the church wants me to help other churches. So like that's pretty cool. That sounds really like cool. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. Well, thank you so much, Chris and Becky, for uh, for bearing with us, answering all these questions, and for for telling the stories. I think I speak for everyone um, when I just say that we're grateful for the profound impact that you've had on on our lives. And even as you were just talking about, um, it's not just here in Madison. It's not just Blackhawk Church. Um, you've had uh, an impact that's resonated around the country. I remember. Um, Man, this was probably five years ago now. You came out to Denver to do a, a seminar. Both of you were out there um, to to come to Denver Seminary when I was in seminary um, with some other people from Madison. And I think you bought us all appetizers or something like that at a at a local restaurant. But there were, I don't know, 10 or 15 of us in the room just in Denver that had you know been impacted by you guys and, and came to say hi and to connect. Um, and there's a lot of that happening all over the country as um, under your leadership and Nancy and Greg's before you and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, just this culture of 
raising up leaders and, and having an impact on people that have gone around the country and, and done really significant things elsewhere. So, so thank you for, mm. um, for all that you've done and how you guys have modeled pastoring well and being a, a couple in ministry well. Um, 37 years, that's, um, that's so commendable. So thanks, oh, you guys. It's a pleasure. And just, just sitting here in the room watching you, I remember when you were a younger man coming <laughs> up through the ranks. So it's really, praise God, to see your development too. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, all the best to you and your family in these next six months. Um, some exciting things for, for you guys um, coming up. And we'll look forward to your return. Fun Chris is coming, <laughs> coming back into the building. Um, okay. so, so thanks, you guys. Um, Tiffany, anything before we, we wrap up? All right. Well, that's all for this week. Uh, we hope to see you soon if you're listening to this. And if you see us, any of us that have been on this podcast, don't hesitate to say hi. We would love to, to meet you, maybe even without a mask. We might get to see your face. Um, so, so stop by and say hi. But until next time, have a great day.